Good evening to everyone. Good to see you here. Hope that you've had a, a wonderful day today. Um, tonight I want us to look at, uh, I guess primarily from 3 John. Uh, let's read a few verses there and then uh, we'll kind of do an introduction to our lesson. In 3 John, beginning at verse 1, it says, The elder to the beloved Gaius, who I love in truth, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Just as you walk in truth, in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. You have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a matter worthy of God, you will do well, because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from Gentiles, who therefore ought, who we therefore ought to receive, such that we may become fellow workers of the truth. Now John, when he was writing this, um, he, think about this individual here that he's talking about. Um, this individual walked in truth. He was hospitable, and he did it in a manner worthy of God. Now, when, when you think about these traits, you know, it, it's one thing when you talk about walking in truth. When you think about walking in truth, if someone says, well, I'm walking in truth, I believe this way, and this is the way that I'm walking. I'm walking in a way in which I believe. And that's what most people do, isn't it? If I believe something a certain way, that's the way in which I walk. That's not exactly what, what he was complimenting him on here and what he was praising him on. He says that he walked in truth. He didn't walk any way that he wanted to. He didn't come up with his own way to walk and say, okay, I believe that way, so this is the way in which I'm going to walk. He walked in a way that was in the truth, and he did these things while he was walking in truth, being hospitable, showing his faith. He did this in a way that was worthy of God. And we got to think about that. When we make choices, when we do things, when we decide that we're going to be a certain way that we're going to be, we have to make sure first and foremost that it's in the truth and the things that we're doing are worthy of God. Now notice Ephesians 4 1 says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, walk that uh, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. These are some of the traits in which Gaius had. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Uh, the, these works of, of faith, these fruit of the Spirit, this walking worthy of the calling which he was called, he did these things because he was walking in the truth, not walking on a truth that was according to him. And there is a big difference in that. Now, we may do a lot of good things, but if we're not walking in the truth, but we're walking in our own truth, then that becomes something different altogether. Now notice, he goes in and he talks about another individual. Uh, in verses 9 through 10, he says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that, 
he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those uh, who wish to, putting them out of the church. Now, Diotrephes was very different from faithful Gaius here. He was very divisive. He was self-centered. Everything had to suit him. Uh, if he did it, uh, if he didn't like something, he didn't hesitate uh, to do something about it. If he didn't like somebody, he didn't hesitate to do something about it. So you've got a contrast here of, of two different individuals. You've got one individual that walks in the truth, walks in a way that's worthy of God by doing these good things, by receiving these individuals, treating individuals the way that you should, doing the things in which you should. Then you have another individual that's walking in his own truth, that's doing things his own way, that treats people totally different. Now here's the thing. How, how, is, how have you got individuals in, a same, in the same congregation that's living totally different? That has different characteristics, that, that has different truths. One's walking in the truth, the other's walking in their own truth. How, how do you have that? Well, I got to thinking about this probably... Uh, it's been several weeks ago now. I was in Titus's class on Sunday morning... And he was going through uh, the history of how we got the Bible and the different versions of the Bible and different things uh, concerning that. And, and I was waiting for the climax of, you know, what is the most popular one and what's the best version to use. He never exactly said the best version. I was waiting for it. Uh, you know, most people, you know, a lot of people use New King James. Uh, a lot of people, most people use King James. You've got uh, uh, the ESV, you've got the American Standard, Revised Standard. You, you've got all of these different versions, and you think, what is the most used version? I've decided it's none of those. The most used version is the MOV, my own version. I think that's what a lot of people go by. I think a lot of people take their own version, and they do like Diotrephes, and you say, well, I, I, most people don't act like him. No, most people don't act like him. But I think there is a little bit of that in most people. We, we take what we want. We, we interpret it the way that we want. We make it. I even looked up on the internet about writing your own Bible. Do you know there's instructions on how to do that? How you write your own Bible and what you do. You, 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 you take your beliefs and then you start adding them to. And, and one, one website that I actually came on says you take the Bible... And then you take just pieces of paper and you go through and, and start reading the Bible and start copying what you like and then leave out what you don't like and put your own things and then eventually you will have it. I mean, there's actually instructions on how to do that. But why? Because there's individuals who that's what they want to do. We want to take our own version. That's what Diotrephes was doing here. You know, it became the church of him. It, it was his church. It wasn't Christ's church anymore. It was his. He decided what went on in it. And he, he decided what's being taught in it because here's the way that he viewed things and he did things according to what his view was. So in other words, he used the MOV. He used my, ver my own version. So let's look at some things in which that takes place. Um, how do you identify a sinner when you use your own version of the Bible? Well, there... Whoever uh, you dislike. 
If you dislike someone, if you, if you don't like someone, then what do you do? You call them a sinner. You, you get people to turn against them, and it's simply because they're either doing something you don't like or you don't like that individual. I've actually had conversations with individuals like this. I had a conversation with a gentleman one time. Actually, they came to me, this particular congregation. They said, Ronald, you've got to do something. They're sinning. They actually told, told me, you've got to keep them from doing anything in the service because they're sinning. I'm like, well, one, it's not my job to keep anybody from doing that. But number two, what were they doing? So they started describing to me what they were doing. It was something they didn't like. It wasn't anything bad, just something they didn't like. And so they deemed it being a sin. Now, there's, that's two totally different worlds. Something I don't like and something that's a sin is two different things because there's two different consequences for that. There's different actions for that. Let me give you an example of this. In John chapter 9, uh, beginning at verse 24, it says, So they again called the man who was blind. This is how the blind man was addressing these biased Jews after Jesus healed him and, and gave him his sight. It says, So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. Now notice, this man is a sinner. Who are they talking about? They're talking about the one who healed the blind man. Who was that? Jesus. Calling Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, a sinner. Why? Because he did something they didn't like. That's all it was about, was something that they didn't like. Now notice, he answered and said, Whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Boy, he got a good shot in there, didn't he? It says, Then they reviled him and said, you are, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to him, Why? This is a marvelous thing that does not, uh, a marvelous thing uh, that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him since the world began it has been unheard of, unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, uh, You were completely born in sins and you are teaching us. And they cast him out. Now does this seem like somebody who's using the MOV? using their own version of things that, that condemns the Son of God and calls Him a sinner. Why? Because He's doing something he doesn't, they don't like. They, don't be coming and doing this. We're the religious. We're the righteous. We're the powerful. And He's coming and do this, and now He's got a crowd. He's got people following Him. We don't like that. We're, we're too proud for that. And that, that's the reason individuals use the MOV, isn't it? It's pride. We, we want to do what we want to do. We want to do what we think. We don't want to do what anybody tells us to do. But that's how they identified a sinner, by someone they didn't like. And that's how individuals uh, do that today, unfortunately. But God looks with disapproval upon us unwilling uh, to be accepting of each other and understanding each other and working through these things. Notice Romans 14 and 10. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Matthew 7, that's quoted quite often but misquoted because we usually quote it how we want it in our own version. 
Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't consider the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck in your eye, and look, planks in your own eyes. What it's talking about here, we should understand, is that, that self-righteous judgment. He says, you be careful how you're judging somebody, because the measure you're using to them, it's going to be measured back to you. You better be careful with that pride, that arrogance, that disapproval of looking down on someone, you know, sticking your nose up and thinking you're better than them. And just because you don't like them, you're going to call them a sinner. Now, is there times that someone is sinning? We're going to get into that a little bit. And there's something that has to be done. Well, of course. But just because we don't like someone or just because they're doing something we don't like doesn't make them a sinner. And unfortunately, and I'm sure you have too, I've seen this happen. I've seen individuals just get into this type of attitude, this frame of mind, to where this is how they treat each other. And all it boils down to is uh, an individual walking in their own truth, using their own version uh, of the Bible. But notice Galatians 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of what? Gentleness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Be careful. So what if I am using God's word and I'm walking in the truth and I see someone that's not walking in the truth and I'm trying to help them, how do I do that? How do I restore them? How do I help them in the situation they're in? Do it with gentleness. Understanding that we may be tempted to. Understand that we may find ourselves in that own situation. And try to help that individual with the truth. Not with my truth. You know how some people tell people, okay, you're sinning, why? Because you're doing it this way. This is the way you need to do it. Why? Because I don't like this way and this is the way that I like it. Do it this way. This is, this is the way I want to see it done. I, I, I've been in a... a business meeting in a congregation before to where basically those words were said. This is the way we're doing it here. And then when they got questioned, the final answer was because that's the way I want it. Okay. You know, it's okay for us to have an opinion. It's okay for us to want something a certain way. It's like someone said, the church is a place everyone has their say, but not everyone has their way. You know, we, we, we've got to work together, but... When it comes to this particular subject, we've got to make sure we're not using our own version of things. That we're not walking in our truth that's not worthy of God. We've got to walk in truth that is worthy of God. And do it the way in which He says to do it. But many times, individuals use the MOV, and this is the result uh, that comes out of it. How does that individual identify, or how do they think, a person is wise? When it comes to scripture and comes to things of God. Well it's whoever agrees with them. You agree with this individual. You're a wise individual. Oh I like you. Why? Because you agree with me. This person over here doesn't agree with me. They're not wise. They're, they're a fool. They're not wise. They don't know anything. You don't know what you're talking about. Because you don't agree with me. You don't see things the way that I want them to be seen. And many times that's how we view things. Unfortunately, again, that's the tendency. In Proverbs 26 and verse 12, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? 
there is more hope for a fool than him. A person that's wise in their own eyes. How can a person be wise in their own eyes? Because they're using their own version, their own interpretation of what truth is, their own interpretation of God's Word. They're reading it, but then they apply it to themselves how it wants to be applied, how it suits their life. But as the uh, uh, Scripture reading as, uh, was read a few moments ago in Jeremiah 8, how can you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us Look, the false pen of the scribe certainly works falsehood. The wise men are ashamed. The word, uh, wise men are the shame. I've missed where I've done it. Wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So that wisdom, so what wisdom do they have? What wisdom do they have? You know, if we stray from the truth, then again, there's no wisdom. Romans 1, verses 22-23, professing to be wise, they became fools. Changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and the birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. You know, you see this, is talking about how individuals start worshiping the idol, start worshiping the creation instead of the creator. Well, that's what individuals do when it comes to the truth. That They set the truth aside and start worshiping and following the truth that they want it to be. And it gets so distorted. Why do you think Jesus spent so much time saying, you've heard it said this, but I tell you this? Because they have took what the law was and twisted it so much to suit themselves. Individuals that were hearing it now, <coughs> excuse me, were thinking that's what it was. But it was just a person's version of what the truth is. It's just their twisted version of, okay, we want it to be this way, so I'll make it this way. That's why Jesus spent so much time on it. He said, you've made it something that it's not. You, you took one thing and made it something else. Now, we do this in a lot of different ways. We do this by out of pride, just wanting to do it. We do this out of tradition because this is the way it's always been done. You know, I, I guess I would fall into that category more. I'm a traditionalist, and I, I, I hate varying any. And sometimes I don't even question why it's done. If it's always been done that way, then I guess that's the way it's supposed to be done. But that's how you fall into that trap. That's how you get another generation that starts following another truth because they don't know, one, why they have it. They don't know, two, what exactly they have. And they don't ever question it. We think it's wrong to question when somebody says something. Shouldn't we question the truth? Shouldn't we search the scriptures to see if it's so? Shouldn't we figure out, is it coming from God or is it coming from man? Do we set aside the commandments of God and we make the commandments of man what's truly what's being followed? Now that's the problem that Jesus faced. Wouldn't the people out in the world, wouldn't the sinners, it was the righteous that's why he said our righteousness has to exceed that kind of righteousness. We can't just be following our own version. 1 Corinthians 1 and 20. Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Uh, where's the sputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Now you may say, no, Ronald, that sounds, you know, this sounds kind of harsh saying that people use their own version and they do this. It, it, it's reality. It's reality when you see these individuals. And I'm not talking about anything that I've not seen firsthand. 
you know, over time of being a Christian, being in different things and, and involved in different situations that, that I've got drug into or even I've got myself into. You realize it all comes down to this. If you back up everything, it starts here. And where it starts is we follow our own version. We follow what we want to. It becomes pride. That's what got Satan in trouble at the beginning. And that's what continues to do. We continue to follow that prideful attitude. And we've got to follow what God says. What about uh, a person that's humble? How, how does a person that looks at someone and, and of course we can't see it in our own eyes if we're following our own version but how do we view somebody else that is it's whoever that submits to them whoever that you know I, I was talking to an individual one time and they were describing somebody else and boy they're just so meek and they're so humble and I realized why they thought that because they submitted to them that's why they thought they were humble they did whatever that person wanted them to do they, they submitted to their will not to the will of the truth, but to their own will. In 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 7, remember it says, The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingness, not for dishonor gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not, just, we're not just supposed to submit to this person because they think they're better than us and, and we, you know, they, they lord this over us. We, we submit to each other because that's what we're supposed to do. We think about that other person. We, 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 we think about how we can help that other person and that we can lean on each other. Philippians 2, beginning at verse 3, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves let each of you look out not only for his own interest but also for the interest of others because there's this is what happens when, when we start following the mov version then the church becomes about me it's all about me it's not about anybody else it's not about how I can help anybody else, not how I can work together with anybody else. It's not about uh, Jesus, who's the head of the body. It's not about any of that. It's just about me. It's about what I can get out of it, what I can control, what I can do. We end up sitting on the pews doing this. Just try to do something. Just try to do something different. Just, just try to make a change. Just try to... And I, and I do like this because I can remember walking into one place every Sunday morning and... I, I see it just like it was yesterday, sitting right on the left, three rows up, right in the middle, just like that. That's how they looked every, every service. Every service they were there, that's how they looked. And, and you talk to them, and, you know, there were some issues that were going on. They were, I, I guess, about four or five left, uh, the congregation. There were some issues that we were dealing with. And I can remember talking to that individual that morning, and... You know, some others were asking them, uh, 
But what are you, what are you going to do? Just let them try. Just let them try to run me off. I'll, I'll show them who's boss here. My, my family gave the land for this. We built this building. And nobody going to run me off. Boy, that's an attitude. I, I'm looking forward to seeing that and experiencing that every time I walk in the building. But, but that's the attitude of some individuals, unfortunately. We, we get into this, and I don't know how it happens. I don't think it happens overnight. I think it happens over time of following our own truth, of following what uh, our own pride, uh, prideful desires of, of, of I'm in control, I do this, and you better do it my way. And I tell you, when the world sees that, I, I can remember going out in the community and, and, and doing visiting, even going to the gas station in the community there and talking. That's all I heard everywhere that I went was the attitude of, of individuals in this congregation and, and what was happening in this congregation, how they treat other people. I mean, it was just everywhere. And I'm thinking, boy, we're really letting our light shine. We're, we're really letting the glory of God just... You know, have its heyday. It was awful. I mean, it, it, it was just awful. It was almost unbearable. But, but that's, what, that's what happens. And, and every time I read this in Third John, I think about that. One, I think about, am I that person? If I, if, if I had to look at my life and I see how he talked about Gaius and how he talked about Diotrephes, where do I fit in? And unfortunately, sometimes I find myself fitting into a little bit of both. You know, I, I have these prideful tendencies. I have these, these kind of things that I like to lean because I, I'm very partial to my own opinion. I'm very partial to how I see things. I'm very, you know, and it's hard sometimes to, to get back on the right track of it's not about me anymore. You're not even supposed to see me anymore. I'm supposed to be clothed in Christ now. You don't see me, you see Christ. So it shouldn't be about my own version anyway. My version doesn't even enter into it. I don't have a version. And my version is not going to get me anywhere, but that's what happens, unfortunately, when it comes to this. Um, what about, uh, and I put this in here because this was a little bit something that uh, I've experienced before. What about the definition of sympathy? I, I've seen this when it comes to in congregation. I've seen this when it comes to working uh, at a funeral home. You deal with sympathy quite a bit. Um, how does that person identify sympathy? Well, I, I think it's that everyone must feel sorry for and suffer with them particularly. It, it, it's all about, you know, if, if I'm miserable, everybody else is going to be miserable. If I'm happy, everybody else is going to be happy. If I'm this way, everybody else is going to be this way because I am. And unfortunately, it's most time on the miserable side. There's some people that's just happy being miserable. There's some people that they just get a, you know, a, a, a joy out of that. I, I don't know why. I don't know how, uh, but they do. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a person who sees the worst and hopes for the best, but I don't live a miserable life, I don't think, and I try not to make people miserable around me. I kind of put my own misery just within myself in my own little wall. So I don't understand how people project that misery out on other individuals and think that that's uh, if I'm like this everybody else is going to be like this I think it comes down to pride it comes down to power they want everyone else to feel uh, that way also in 2 Corinthians 1 
Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. God comforts us so we can have the ability to comfort those who are going through hard times. And, and one to me is, uh, comes from Paul. Remember in 2 Corinthians 11, in verse 24, what Paul says, From the Jews five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often in pearls of water, in pearls of robbers, in pearls of my own countrymen. And pearls of the Gentiles, and pearls of the city, pearls of the wilderness, and pearls of the sea, and pearls among false brethren, and weariness, and toil, and sleeplessness often, hunger, thirst, and fasting often, cold, nakedness. But notice what he said. He, he lists all these things, all these terrible things that have been happening to him. But notice what he says here. Besides the other things which come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Paul's concern wasn't just about himself. Yeah, he went through all of these things. He could have had a pity party. He could have said, oh, why me? And made everybody miserable around him. But what's he do? He sings when he's in prison. He praises God when he's in prison. And he says, when I'm going through all these things that looks like it could be, oh, woe is me, you know what really that brings me trouble? Is my deep concern for the brethren. That's who I worry about. That's who I have sympathy for. That's who I think about. That's who I pray about. It's not about myself. It's about them. Because that's what the Christian life is about. That's what the scriptures tell us. That's what following the truth tells us. Not following my own truth. My own truth is I'm looking out for me and me only. The rest of you, whatever. It doesn't matter. You do what you want to as long as it's what I want you to, as long as it don't affect me, and you better make me happy at all times or I'm going to make your life miserable. Can you imagine walking on eggshells around somebody all the time? How does that make you feel? Happy about it? Makes for a wonderful Christian life? It's miserable. But there's individuals that Make the church about them that follow their own version. That that's how they make people feel around them. And it's unfortunate uh, when that takes place. Um, what about when it comes to preaching? Uh, in Proverbs 25, Chris, I don't know if I gave you that one. Uh, beginning at verse 11. When an individual start following their own version and they start thinking about how they want things done, eventually it turns on the preacher. Eventually it turns on preaching to where, you know, it's going to be critical. It's going to be you preach the way that I want you to preach. You say the things that I want you to because, and then they, they start talking to others in the congregation because they said, you know, if I don't like this, I'll quit, uh, you know, I'll quit putting in the plate and then we'll just get rid of you. I've actually seen this took place. I had an individual uh, uh, that I knew that uh, was preaching, and uh, he was actually the associate at this particular place, and that's what happened. This one individual got a group of individuals and started withholding their contribution until the church had to let that individual go. 
They said, we don't want them there, so we'll just hold out enough money until they can't preach there anymore. One, who are they giving to? I thought you give to God. <laughs> uh, you, you don't give with strings attached and have a little note in the plate. Can you imagine? Can you, I, I, I couldn't imagine our eldership here when, uh, uh, you know, Brian gets all the, uh, our treasurer here gets all the, the contribution together and he uh, takes up the bank, then he takes these notes to the elder and says, okay, here's what we got, but here's how you have to spend it. Here's what you have to do with it. Here's exactly what you have to do with it. Can you imagine that? But there's some places that that actually takes place. It actually turns to preaching. And they want preaching that addresses everybody else except for them. Don't preach on nothing that affects me. Don't preach on anything that I have to change. When I, when I read it, I read it at, you know, I live my own life. You can't tell me how to do any different. Proverbs 25, beginning at verse 11, says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is, wise, is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, beginning at verse 2, remember as Paul was telling Timothy, here's the, some things you're going to go through. Here's some individuals you're going to deal with, and here's how he tells them to deal with it. Uh, starting in verse 2 of 2 Timothy 4, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Now let's think about this. When, when I become a child of God, when I'm obedient to Him, Notice what Jesus tells us that we do. In Matthew 16, beginning at verse 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take his cross, and follow after me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? This verse is actually going to be the theme or kind of the springboard for our uh, spring retreat. If any man desire to come after me, Jesus say, tells us, what are we actually desiring to do? And we're going to talk about on the retreat different things that we are desiring or should desire to do. But I wanted to end with this verse because when we start following our own version of things, when we start having a church that's just all about me, when it becomes these things, I think we forget this First fundamental thing. What do I do? If I desire to come after him, I deny myself. And I take up my cross daily. You know what that means? I die to self daily. I make the choice every day. I'm dying to my own will. It's not about my own will. It's not about my own version of truth. It's not about my own way. It's about his. You know what we basically have to do? Get out of our own way to be able to go to heaven, don't we? we? We have to step out of our own way and follow the path in which he leads for us. So I asked you tonight, as we read 3 John, what version are you? Are you walking in truth? Do you do the things that you should do that is worthy of God? Or are you walking in your own truth, your own way, 
That's not worthy of God. There's one that leads to life everlasting, one path that leads to destruction. And if I'm following my own way, it ultimately has to be destruction. Because the Bible says no one comes under the Father except through Him, talking about Jesus. So I can't get there on my own way. I have to get there on His. So what does He tell us to do? Repent of our sins, confess that Jesus is the Son of God, be baptized for the remission of those sins, confess that He is Lord, rise to walk in newness of life, walking in the truth of His Word. Walking in the light as He is in the light. If you've not done those things, you have an opportunity to do that tonight. But if you have, but you strayed away because you started following your own way, are you wise in your own eyes or wise in the way that God tells us to be? Wise in our own eyes will lead to destruction.